Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Koslowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. And same applies to any professional who may appear on the OG Therapy Podcast. Welcome to the OG Therapy. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of OG Therapy. I'm your host, David. I'm riding solo again today. However, we do have a couple episodes to drop in the next few weeks with my guys K. Scott and Rojo. Each of those episodes will be uh, focused on one specific topic. One topic, it will be how do us as fathers raise good, strong men that are kind, caring, civil, polite, and pleasant to be around, easy to work with, but yet still assertive, strong, um, resilient, things like that. And then in another episode, we'll be talking about how do we raise strong, confident daughters that are resilient, capable, uh, confident, all those things while still being civil, polite, um, you know, reasonable, and uh, and uh, just a person that you'd be proud to call your child. So in both those episodes, look forward to those, or look forward to both those episodes coming up in the very near future. I'm excited to release those. But today's episode, I'm going to focus on more questions I've had from actual clients lately. Um, we still have hundreds of questions from teenagers and parents to get through. Uh, but for this new year, I want to focus on more questions that myself and my co-hosts uh, have in our own personal lives or some of my clients have in their own personal lives. And so today's episode, we're going to talk about emotions, more specifically, the emotions of your kids and how we as parents can help our kids be emotionally stable and actually how to develop coping skills for when the emotions get out of control. Because let's face it, there's no way a kid, a teenager, a young adult, or an adult is going to have everything figured out in every situation. In fact, what usually happens is when we're younger and we have uh, we come across a situation that pisses off, makes us sad, makes us feel something is unfair, it's, it's not right. And I'm not saying that your feelings aren't correct, but what I'm saying is that we learn as we get older over time that certain reactions, certain things that we say or do can help the situation. Um, can you know sometimes you need to stand up for yourself sometimes you need to be assertive but other situations or other uh, reactions and other ways of handling emotional situations can make it worse or cause it to go on for a lot longer than it really needed to be so as parents listening to this I want to make sure that you guys have a couple nuggets to leave with today that if this is a topic on your mind if you're thinking man my kids just been so emotionally unstable, or this has been a pattern for them for a while. Maybe you're going to therapy. Maybe you're talking to a professional. Maybe you're seeking help, which is why you're listening to this podcast. Well, if that's the case, got a right episode for you. And again, my goal is just to give you a couple nuggets that you can take home. You can practice and you can work with this on your own. Because as the disclaimer says, even though I'm a therapist, I'm not giving you therapy advice. I'm just sharing ideas and suggestions that have helped and have worked for many of my clients and people that I've uh, been fortunate enough to be trusted to be a person to help their family throughout the past you know, 20-something years. Let's get right into it. So being emotionally unstable is not something that your kids have to learn. It's not something they have to go to school for. And you as parents, it's not like you have to watch a how-to. You don't have to get an e-course or get a, a documentary or get on YouTube to watch a series of uh, YouTube videos about how to become emotionally unstable. In fact, it's so easy, it's as if it comes natural. 
It's as if it came with us when we we're born. If you've ever had the pleasure of raising a child or taking care of children, you'll know that when kids are younger, you know, their emotions precede a lot of the things that they do. They're going to say and do something before they thought it through. Of course, that's simply because they're young, which means their brain is not fully developed. But what's the excuse for teenagers? Teenagers look pretty close to adults. They, you know, they're, they're taller, they're bigger. They're getting to that point where they look pretty close to how an adult would look, you know, less stress from paying bills, less wrinkles, no gray hair, obviously. But teenagers seem to be a little bit more challenging when asking them to be emotionally stable or helping them to regulate their emotions, as some say. So this is a little bit more of a challenge for parents because I think with parents, we kind of give a certain allowance or give, give a certain amount of passes or get out of jail free cards when our kids having emotional breakdowns when they're younger. We don't like it, of course, but we understand that that kind of is part of the deal. Now, if it happens continuously, that can be a problem. If it happens a point where now we are losing our emotions, it can be even a much bigger problem. And if not checked, if not properly dealt with or corrected, by the time that same kid becomes a teenager, they may have built a lot of bad habits of how to respond or how to react in difficult situations that would cause them to be emotional. So I just want to share something um, to to help you kind of put this into perspective. And that is, in fact, I heard it, where did I hear it? I heard it just on, might have been an Instagram reel or a clip or something like that. And when I heard the person say it, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to quote them uh, in my podcast today because I was already planning on doing an episode about being emotionally unstable. And maybe the algorithm read my mind. Maybe it knows me so well now I don't have to like search anything. It just reads my mind. And what this quote from uh, this gentleman said, and uh, this gentleman, um, whether you like him or not, it's irrelevant to me. I'm just saying what the quote was. So if he happened to be a person who are on your list of people that you don't like, well, then just forget who said it because I think it's a, it's a valid quote regardless of who said it. And the quote was, if you can't control your emotions, you can't control anything. I agree with that. Coming from a person who, you know, throughout my life, I think... I don't think I'm unique. I think most people have a hard time controlling their emotions. In fact, the one that catches me off guard is when really quiet, you know, you know, what seems to be very reserved people say things like, you know, like, what's some of your biggest problems? Like, I have anger management issues. I'm like, excuse me, I couldn't hear you. You have what? They're like, I have anger management issues. Reminds me of the girl on, um, on, uh, uh, gosh, man, I hate when I can't remember the uh, movies off the top of my head. Um, Pitch Perfect. Remember the girl off Pitch Perfect? They talked to you. Can you hear her talk? Well, I've talked to people. They're super quiet like that. And they're like, I have anger management issues. I'm like, you have anger management issues? And then they describe me, how they responded, how they react in a couple situations. I was like, sounds like you have rage management issues, not anger issues. So basically what I'm saying is you can't judge a book by its cover. However, what we can do is we can predict that human beings have always been emotional and irrational when they're caught off guard, upset, or something doesn't go their way. And not all human beings figure this out. So this quote, they said, if you can't control your emotions, you can't control anything in your life. Really came from, he went on to talk about some other things. By the way, the, the name of the gentleman is Jocko Willink. Um, and, uh, you know, Navy SEAL commander, like military type guy. So obviously he's going to be saying some pretty just straightforward truths. Um, 
I, I do agree with what he's saying though, because being someone that it's my job to help people mitigate their emotions, cope with difficult traumas, difficult situations in life, and then not just cope with it and manage it, but to get through it, to have it as almost like a badge of honor. I think most of us, when we go through hard times in our life, uh, we look at our hard times and those are things we're most proud of, that we overcame cancer, we overcame the death of a loved one, we overcame a divorce, a breakup, a bankruptcy. It's the comeback that we're most proud of. It's the, hey, look what I've been through, but look where I'm at now because I didn't give up. Those are classic American stories of like, start off with nothing, built themselves up to a place where now they have something to be proud of. They own their own home. They have a legacy, things to pass on to their children, what have you. So when he made that comment, I thought about that and I'm like, well, that's true from my understanding. If you can't control your emotions, you're going to have a hard time controlling anything in life because that's really the only thing you do have control over. Now, for people listening to this and say, hey, you know, I have mental health conditions and I cannot control my emotions. I would argue that that's not entirely true. What that usually means is you have a difficulty controlling your emotions. In certain scenarios, you might get triggered. Maybe you have a PTSD reaction. And so those types of scenarios, you cannot control your emotions. I get it. It's very difficult. But does that mean the goal is to not try to control your emotions? Does that mean that you can never get better at controlling your emotions and make improvements of it? Well, of course it doesn't mean that. The goal is if your kids are struggling controlling their emotions, you are going to have to help them learn to control their emotions. Now, if you're from the old school like I am, if you're raised by people that were basically cave people, I joke around, call my parents, like, you guys are closer to cave people than you are to real humans because they went through some tough times. My, my biological grandmother raised me. She was there when they bombed Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. She said she was like, I think she was an element, like a kindergarten, first grade. And my, um, my adopted grandfather who, who raised me, and I call him my dad, he... Um, he was standing in bread lines during the Great Depression. He's from New Jersey um, just to get bread and cheese. And, and so these are people that live through very, very difficult times. So for them, it may be as easy like just stop freaking out, stop having your emotions, shut it down. I'm too stressed. I can't deal with it. That's enough. That's not really a learning opportunity though for a kid. And in 2024, to get kids to learn something, we can't command them to do it. We can't always use discipline and aggression to do it. Now, if their safety is on the line, they're about to get hit by a car. Yeah. Yell at your kid to save their life. Right? I'm not being so soft. And so like trying to pad the walls of, of every kid's life nowadays that they can't have a little bumps and bruises and, you know, you know, get, you know, get some tough skin, you know, from some hard things, because I think they really do need those things. However, the best way I found as a therapist throughout all my years of helping all different types of emotionally unstable people, when I say all different types of emotionally unstable people, I mean the most emotionally unstable people you could possibly imagine from facilities that I worked with, psychiatric hospitals, crisis treatment centers, drug and alcohol treatment centers, to just families that I worked with in my private practice. The one thing that I found out that is absolutely guaranteed to make the situation better with an emotionally unstable kid is if the parents become more emotionally stable than they were even prior to having the kid. So what I mean by that is relationships are like mirrors. In fact, there's something called mirroring neurons in your brain. If you're a long time listener and you've heard me say this before, 
I apologize, but I'm going to repeat it again because it's a very important part of how our, how our brain chemistry works and how we view things. So just imagine that relationships kind of, they're representation of a mirror, right? You look in a mirror, why do you look in a mirror? To see how you look. Well, why do we talk to people? To communicate to them, to express ourselves, but also to get their feedback and their data, how they respond to what we say. If we crack a joke with a friend and that friend doesn't laugh, you're probably not going to say, you know what, I'm going to try that joke on my blind date with the girl I'm really attracted to later on tonight. If your friend didn't laugh at it, probably not that funny joke. You may not want to try to to impress a girl on a first date with a a poor joke that's probably not going to go well. So when we're using or when we're seeing relationships as mirrors, we can see them as a real-life experiment, a real-life feedback. So you got a kid, let's, let's say a 14-year-old, right? Ninth grade, or yeah, ninth grade, 14-year-old. And you've told them that because of their behavior the day or the night before, that they now cannot go hang out with their friends on, let's say it's a Friday night. They were planning on hanging out with their friends, and they conveniently forgot that they broke the rules and did things that, totally made it so that there's no way as a parent you can go let them hang out with their friends, right? Let's say they snuck out, they stole their phone from your room. They completely disregard the rules and the agreement that you guys had. So because that, you can't let them go hang out with their friend. But let's say they feel like that's not fair. Let's say in their mind, they're like, well, I didn't want to steal my phone from your room but I had no choice because my friend needed to get a hold of me. Or I wasn't planning on sneaking out last night, but my friend was really struggling. They showed up on the doorstep. So I was just out front on, on the patio. You know, like I, I didn't sneak out and go anywhere. I was just right there. Let's say in their mind, they've been able to justify that their actions did not deserve the punishment that you're giving them, even though it already been established that they could not hang out with their friends if they broke any of those rules. Okay. Well, in this scenario, a lot of parents, now if you cannot see my face, it's because you do not have a, a subscription to our Patreon, which is just five bucks. I'll tell you about that later. And you get a couple years worth of videos of podcasts that I've done that are not on the podcast platforms. But in, uh, in, in, if you were able to see me, and if you're on Patreon, you'll be able to tell uh, my facial expressions. I'm pretending to be a parent right now that just heard from their teenager how unfair this is. How, how could they possibly be punished for something that, yeah, they broke the rules, but they didn't mean to. It wasn't like malicious. It wasn't like to, to, to show disrespect to you. It was just simply an accident. Well, as a parent that's seen that accident happen many times before, you feel that it's very important for you to hold your ground. But is holding your ground and giving your kids discipline, does that mirror to them that you're freaking out? Because if it does, Guess what you just gave your kid permission to do? That's right. Relationships are mirrors. And if they see you getting all pissed off, taking it personal, your eyebrows, your facial expressions, and you're looking at them like, what? Are you freaking kidding me? Why would I let you go out? You broke the rules. You know the rules. And if you're talking to them like the person you work with that pisses you off, but because you work with them or because they're your boss, you can't tell them how you really feel, Are you taking that heat and that smoke and are you putting that towards your kids? 
Because I'm telling you, there's a good chance that you are. Maybe it's not a, uh, someone you work with. Maybe it's not, um, you know, someone like that. Maybe it's your partner, right? Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your 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 brother, your sister. Maybe it's someone close to you that you can't give them that hard truth. And in your mind, that's what they need. Their problem is that their life's too easy and they need a hard truth. I'll tell you what, you guys, a lot of people think that way. The problem is when it's your child, it's a lose-lose situation. If you want your kid to have the same tough, rough upbringing to be able to callous their skin and make sure that, not literally, obviously, but to make sure that they're not some soft kid, that you know they're resilient and they can take some truth, whatever. So you just got to give it to them. You got to take a pound of flesh for everything that you think that they've done wrong. If that's going to be your approach in 2024, good luck. Job security for your boy, Dave. There's no way that in 2024, a world that gives your kid everything they want when they need it. By the way, you're part of the problem because we all are. As parents, it's easier to sometimes just give our kids what they want because that way we don't have to hear them run their mouth and complain about it and they don't have to beat us into submission with begging us and begging us. So let's say in this scenario, this girl's like begging, oh, please, let me go, let me go, let me go. Parents like, no, it's your own fault. You shouldn't have done it. You should have thought that. And they feel that this is a good time to lecture. But one thing that in this imaginary situation, by the way, it's not too imaginary. I use at least a couple of my clients in, in these scenarios and I kind of push the, put them their stories together so they're not one particular story. In this situation, if this teen girl is getting pissed off and angry and parents are lecturing at that time, it feels very personal. Like they have a personal vendetta and beef with their kid. And by the way, you may, as a parent, you may be tired of seeing your kid live this luxury life that you're sponsoring, you're paying for it, and they don't ever have to hold their feet to the fire. So you pick today as the day you're going to do it on this one thing. Oh, well, you guys, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because if relationships are like mirrors, well, then you got to make sure that your kid gets the first reflection from you instead of you getting a reflection from them. What I mean by that is if this was a real situation and you got mad at your kid and you gave him the frustration speech, you gave him the lecture because that's what your parents would have done to you and you feel that their life's too easy and they deserve it. If you're to take that approach, you are giving them a reflection. What they're looking at is they're looking at someone who does not like them, does not want to deal with them, is dismissing them, is lecturing them, and most importantly, is not willing to work with them or hear them out. I don't think any adult or teenager likes it when they feel dismissed, when they're trying to get their way and someone completely shuts it down. You know how I know that? Because parents tell me they don't like it when their teenagers and their kids do that to them. And the parents pleading with their kid, oh, you should really do your homework. You should focus on this. You shouldn't worry about this. I'm fine. I'm fine. Quit. You know, I've got plenty of days to do that. Why are you freaking out on me? No, I'm not doing that right now. I'll do it when I feel like it. Gosh, adults don't like that either. So we back off a little bit. But what happens when our kid, they're begging us for something? We are now in the power position, just like in any relationship. If there's a power struggle and one person has something over the other person, a lot of times they use that to demean, to talk down to, and uh, to make a point to that person or make an example of them. 
but you're their parents. They're your child. You're going to be with each other for the rest of your life. And if you do it well, they'll want you around when they're older. They'll come to you when times are difficult. But if you freak out and if you get overly emotional yourself, you are showing your kids that you can't control anything. You will lose all respect for from your kids, at least at that moment. Will your kids still respect you that you love them and you gave birth to them and you pay for all their things? Of course they will. But at that moment, are they thinking about that? Definitely not. At that moment, they're looking at you like you're a dictator, you're unfair, you're unreasonable, they, you can't be talked to. In fact, I was just talking to a teenager tonight and not the same situation, but a situation where you know, she was telling me, it's like my biggest complaint, what she said to me, she goes, my biggest complaint is that when I'm getting really worked up and I'm getting frustrated because my parents won't give me what I want, they avoid me, they dismiss me, and they just shut me down completely and they lecture me. I said, okay, well, how does that usually work with you? She goes, well, I start breaking things. I start threatening things. Um, she sometimes self-harms. And so the parents tell me, said, well, this is not fair because we're trying to play it cool. We're trying to give her everything she wants. And then when she takes advantage of us, when she tries to manipulate us like this, we go to stand her ground. But now we can't stand her ground because she's going to do self-harm if we do stand up to her. And I just simply told the mom, I said, maybe that's part of the problem you're mistaking her for the enemy that you have to stand up to her like she is somehow wielding unrighteous dominion over you that she is in control of the household and you're not so last time i checked when someone owns a business and it's their business they don't have to come down and tell everybody hey i'm the owner and you're going to do what i want you to do because i'm the owner it's going to be this way oh did i let you know i'm the owner so because i'm the owner you have to respect me in all these different types of ways no real successful good owners they use the art called gentle persuasion and simply put Gentle persuasion allows you to have influence over the person you want to influence. See, the definition of the word power or influence is really the ability, right? Or the definition of the word power is really between people and relationships. It's the ability to influence your the other person with your thoughts, feelings, and opinions, hoping to tip the scales a little bit so they will at least consider giving you a little bit of what you want or maybe even changing their opinion and their stands on, uh, on a certain situation. But in confrontation, if your facial expressions, that mirror, the first reflection you're giving them is like, are you effing kidding me? Are you crazy? Do you think I'm stupid? Do you think I'm a fool? Do you think I was born yesterday? If you give them that, your facial expressions, if you don't believe me, just record yourself looking like that or have your partner, spouse, or don't have your kids record you because they may use that in nefarious ways and reasons. But have someone record you when you're talking to your kid and you will see there's a whole lot of extra icing you put on that cake that is not needed. You do not need to add all the extra body language, the intensity. Now, if you're listening to this and you say, okay, Dave, so am I supposed to just sit there like a cool as a cucumber and say, you know what? I don't appreciate how you're talking to me. I don't like it that you're giving me disrespect and we need to process our emotions. I'm not saying that. In fact, not only am I not saying that, I don't freaking talk like that. When my clients come to me and they start talking like they're a therapist, I'm like, time out, time out, time out. I'm a therapist and I don't even talk like that. If you want to connect with your kids, if you want to be able to relate to them, and if you want to be able to mirror them, the behavior you want them to give to you, then you got to know what you're showing them first and foremost. So here's what I want you parents to do. 
if you haven't picked up on it already, I want you to be a better model of the behavior you want your kids to exhibit to you. So if they're freaking out and you want them to stop freaking out, don't say stop freaking out, step one. So by not saying that, you're already doing better than most. Step two, look down with concern, consideration, look around, nod your head a couple times, okay, and if they're talking, just say, okay, by the way, I'm just listening, so go ahead, just keep talking, encourage them to express themselves more, don't be walking around doing chores, listening to something, one AirPod in while you're doing something else, because it pisses you off when they do that, so don't do it to them. And by the way, if you're one of those parents that thinks, well, I don't have to respect my kids, that they have to respect me simply of everything that I've given them. And once they respect me, then I'll give them respect back. You're caught in the stone ages. Because everybody knows if someone respects you, you're more likely to respect them. Well, if they respect you, then um, if you respect them, they're more likely to respect you back. If you respect, if they respect you, you're more likely to respect them back. Got that twist up for a second. But the real question is, who's going to go first? What if the leader of the company, the CEO, the CFO, whoever it is, the top dog in charge, went to the custodian, went to the front desk person and said, hey, you know what? I heard you had some complaints. You know, I really want to hear what's going on because, you know, maybe there's something we're missing out on. Maybe there's something we could do better. Please just tell me what's going on. Come to my office. Let's do it privately off the side so no one else is around. So that's another big step. Talk to them as if you feel that they have insight and information that can make you better at your job. Next step. Now, these aren't necessarily like, like orders. These are things to consider and things to do. Do it alone. I mean, privately away from the other kids, away from the other people. When people are watching Egos and emotions go skyrocketing. Simple fact. It's the madness of crowds. You get a crowd of people. Some people start arguing like, fight, fight, fight. Like, you're like, wait, what? Like now they want us to fight. Like where did this come from? 20 minutes ago, kids are sitting there thinking about math. And if there's a big crowd of kids talking trash to one another, and then they're like, oh, they're going to get a fight. Yeah, let's see what happens. So what I'm saying by that is that the energy of people being there creates more pressure that you have to stand your ground and that you're in a fight. If you feel like you're in a fight, your body language, your facial expressions, your posturing, everything will be like you're about to be in a fight. And if you're a full-grown adult, like a full-grown dad, and you're in a fight with a 13 or 14-year-old girl, you have no intent, you have no idea, or or a boy, you have no intimidating, you have no way to understand how intimidating you really are to your kid at that time. You have all the power in their life to make decisions for themselves. You're bigger, stronger than them, and now you're standing over them, talking down to them, trying to intimidate them. And the reason why you're trying to intimidate them is because that's what was done to you. That's what people do to you. So you think because people do it to you that you have to repay that favor and you have to do it to your child. I don't think that's true. Now, you could disagree with me, but the way I see it is that if you want them to have better behavior, you have to be a better example of said behavior. If you're tired of your kids not picking up after themselves, after they eat or what have you, then when you forget to pick up after yourself, you say, tell you what, if I forget to pick up after myself, then I'm going to clean up everybody's dishes and do the dishes for everybody. I told a dad that one time, 
And the dad was like, why would I do that? I go to work. I do everything like that. I come home. That's the least they should do. They should have my supper ready for me. I shouldn't have to pick up anything, blah, blah, blah. He gave me all this stuff that he as a man, as a husband, he shouldn't have to do. And when he got done talking, I was like, okay, are, are you done in your fantasy land? You want to come back to the real world? He's like, what are you talking about? I go, what do you mean what am I talking about? What? What part of having kids do you think is fair? Like you're going to do everything for them equal and they're going to do everything equal for you back. It's literally the opposite of that. You do everything for them until they can do things on their own. And then you slowly start to let them do more things. But that takes years and years and years. Then with your wife, I remember telling this guy, I'm like, oh, what do you do? You're just going to come home, tell your wife that you shouldn't have to do all these things. She should have to do all these things because you had a long day at work and she's just going to do it for you. He's like, yeah, that's what happened. I go, okay. Well, what if she went up to you and she said, hey, you know what? I'm not attracted to you anymore. I don't want to have sex with you. And uh, I don't want you even to even ask me to have sex with you, but I'll just agree to do it maybe quarterly once. Would you be okay with that? And this guy, this particular man looked at me and goes, well, like, that's a low blow. Like, why would you say that? I go, hey, man, your wants are to come home, be treated like a king. What if her wants is for her not to want to have sex with the king? And he looked at me and he goes, I get your point. I just don't like it. And here's the reason why I didn't like it. If you looked at their marriage pictures, she looked pretty much the same with, you know, just she's older. Him, not so much. So as far as attractability goes in that, in that conversation, he knew exactly what I meant. And I wasn't calling him fat or this and that. I'm just saying like you have demands that you think you're entitled or you have things you think you're entitled to, but you're not. She has things that she thinks she's entitled to. Doesn't necessarily mean she always gets it from you. And one of those things, one of her complaints, was that he always comes home, bitches, moans, and complains, but then wants to have sex with her. And she's like, what part of that makes me want to have sex with you? So to give you a little more context, that, that was the point I was trying to get to. So getting back to the mirroring. By the way, hopefully I didn't lose some of you, some of you parents uh, I know sometimes my, my metaphors and my stories can be a little colorful, so hopefully I didn't offend anyone or make anyone mad, but this is how I talk. So in the mirroring situation, if you don't freak out on your kids when they're freaking out on you, your words carry weight. You can now show them that you are worth following. You are a real leader. I think when Jocko made that statement on that reel, when he said, he's like, if you can't control your emotions, you can't control anything. What I took away from that and what I see that with a lot of people is that you don't respect anyone that flips out and is hysterical and loses their emotions. At work, if you see someone losing their emotions all the time, pissed off, angry, and always complaining, does that person get the utmost respect and admiration from people at work or most people at work? Probably not. In your family, the person who's the squeakiest wheel, always complaining, always talking about the government this, the politics that, like just one of those people is like, nah, 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 just negative, 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 negative all the time, always worked up and emotional. Do you think people are coming to that person and saying, hey, you know what? I, I just wanted your opinion. What do you think I should do? Me and my wife are having a problem. Should we get a divorce or stay married? You're not going to go ask marriage advice to the person who's unhinged and dramatic about everything. So, Controlling your own emotions, this is an exercise. This is a lifelong pursuit because there's going to be things that are going to test you, but nothing's going to test you like it happening to your kids though because it's personal to you, but it doesn't mean you have to make it personal to them.
making their learning a personal attack on them does not learn in the most effective ways. There is an argument when someone shames you, you will learn from that. Yeah. You may even learn to do something to save your life. Like, hey, if you're bleeding, don't go out in the ocean surfing. Right? That information, right, could possibly save your life. That could be very helpful information if you didn't know that sharks like blood. But the point I'm trying to get at is that when you're in a relationship with anybody, if you want to help them, you have to teach them. And if you're going to teach someone how to monitor, calm down, manage their emotions, then they have to see you do it. The old Chinese proverb, if you tell me, I'll forget. If you show me, I might remember. But if you involve me, it becomes a part of me. So if you want your kids to freak out less, be less emotional, wait for them to freak out and get emotional and have prior set up, uh, set aside things that you're going to say, ways you're going to handle it, and you're just going to practice how calm can you stay in the fire when things are getting really chaotic. I can say this with 100% confidence because I had a lot of years practicing this. In fact, I remember this one crisis treatment center I worked at, Casa de Amparo in Oceanside, California. They had um, some of the most emotionally unstable children because all these children were abused and taken out of their homes and put in this facility against their own will, but it was to keep them safe because they were coming from abusive homes. And I just remember every single time someone would lose their emotions. One of the kids would lose their emotions. And one of the staff members that wasn't really good at this and have a lot of practice. And at first it was me. I just watched them in real time, make the kid lose their emotions even more simply by the reaction to the kid losing their emotions. Then I saw the opposite. I saw some, what I called OG therapists, which is why this podcast is named. It's not saying this podcast name, OG therapist, like I am the OG. I learned this type of therapy from a bunch of people at a GEDs, high school diplomas, but were Jedis when it came to working with abused kids and youth and troubled youth. They were just so calming. They just knew how to chill in these situations. They knew how to calm people down. Well, those particular people, they showed me this. They showed me in real time how they could walk into a room, just their presence, their body language. I remember this one big Simone guy, he'd just get real small and make himself really small. He looked like he was the most feeble guy in the room, so kind and caring, and he was a giant that could freaking kick all of our butts if he wanted to. But that was his superpower. His superpower was his body language, his facial expressions, and his words were like chicken noodle soup. It was like a grandmother's hug. This guy had figured out mirroring. No one lost their cool and emotions while he was there. They would be emotionally emotional, but when he'd come in the room, it wouldn't take long for this to calm down. And once it calmed down, he'd, he'd say, hey, t so tell me what's going on. Like, tell me your side of the story. They'd tell me their side of the story. It's like, oh, man, like, man, I'm so glad you told me instead of going around breaking things up and getting in trouble, losing your freedoms, because, oh, man, you wouldn't have wanted that. So I do the same thing with my clients, and I suggest you do the same thing with your kids. Thanks for coming and telling me before, you know, got really emotional because I don't want to freak out and lose it like I did last month. Remember that time? Oh, yeah, I remember that time. Yeah, I'm trying really hard to not lose my emotions because when I get all emotional and you get emotional, it's not going to give you a good example. It's not going to make you think like, oh, dad can handle the truth. I want you to feel like you could tell me anything and I'm not going to lose it. So, yeah, so I appreciate you coming and talking to me so this didn't have to be a fight. Thank you. Thank them.
Give them compliments for the behavior you want them to have instead of saying, why did you do that? Or trying to scold them for doing it when you already know why they did it. They're young. They're dumb. <laughs> they're trying to figure out life. They're being emotional. Maybe they have some, you know, when I say dumb, like typical kids, but maybe you have a kid that actually has real psychological, mental, and emotional challenges. Well, if that's the case, well, then you have less reason to get mad at them and make it personal. It's not their fault. They're not, they didn't come out of the womb saying, hey, doc, uh, can I get bipolar by the time I'm eight years old and a borderline personality disorder by the time I'm 18? Because, you know, I just want to start off light, light with life. You know, I wanted to have an easy life. No, kids aren't choosing that. So if anyone is going to make their learning personal, making it personal to help them instead of make it personal to scold them. Well, you guys, hopefully you guys like that episode for today. And as always, you can follow us on all social media platforms under OG Therapy. As I mentioned earlier, if you want uh, extra over two years, gosh, almost three years of content. Yeah, almost three years of extra content on Patreon. You go to www.patreon.com backslash OG Therapy, just the initials, OG Therapy. For $5 a month, you can get access to all those information videos. And what, what I've been doing now is I just take these videos now and I put them up on Patreon so you can actually see the video. I don't know. For some reason, I like to watch my podcast. But if you don't want to watch the podcast, you won't have to look at me. That's totally fine too. And it'll save you 5 bucks. But if you do, that'd be cool too. Well, you guys, as always, you can follow me on Instagram at David underscore K-O-Z-L-O-W-S-K-I underscore on Instagram, you can also follow us at OG.therapy. On YouTube, it's just regular OG therapy. And until next time, remember you guys, when your kids are getting emotional, freaking out, and you're like, ah, you want to pull your hair out, and you're just looking up the sky and just say, please, Lord, baby Jesus, Buddha, Allah, all the gods, please. Just remember, you don't have to get down on your knees and pray. You could do that if you wanted. All you got to do is press play and listen to your OGs. Until next time, be cool. Thank you.